Welcome to an episodic relationship, a podcast where we watch and discuss pilot TV uh, pilots of TV shows through a critical lens. I'm Jamie, and I'm Sydney, and today we're joined with Brick Jackson. Hey, Brick. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for um, for joining us, and uh, today we're going to be discussing uh, the Carmichael Show. Um, so, Brick, how did you uh, how did you uh, come to the show? Um, so, I don't remember. Um, I just know that uh, there was a show with black people on, and I was like, hey, I gotta watch this. Um, but, like, it, the cast is people that I was mostly familiar with, um, in particular, yeah. um, David Allen Greer and Loretta, Loretta Devine, and I knew a little bit of Tiffany Haddish, um, and Lil Rel, I, I'd heard of him as well. Carmichael, I was a little bit foggy on, but I did remember him from um, Neighbors. So, like, everybody kind of... Um, I kind of knew everyone, and then I, I didn't hear a lot about the show, but I do remember watching it. It popped up on my Hulu the day after it premiered, and then I was hooked. Nice. Um, I, I, I feel like I remember seeing, um, I feel like I remember seeing, like, a trailer for it. Um, I think it's, I think it said it was on NBC? Or yeah, something. it was on NBC, which is what they did was um it was a mid-season replacement oh, okay. um and so i think the first season was only like six episodes and they they kind of threw it on mid-season not really knowing what it's going to do and then for the rest of the time that the show was on i think it aired during the summertime um so they would just run it uh, as if it's a mid-season every season but i thought when I mean, you know nbc did a good job of promoting it because honestly if it didn't pop up on the top of hulu it it wouldn't have passed me by but i probably wouldn't have watched it immediately just because i mean I don't know many people that sit down and watch, you know, regular network television anymore if you're under maybe 50 at this point. So, yeah, no, I, I definitely I feel I, I definitely understand that. Um, and then I think did you did you know about the show? I I, I didn't know about the show until uh, you and Brick. Oh yes, I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I I I was definitely familiar with um I was familiar with uh. Honestly, everyone except him is except uh, Gerard Carmichael. I I'd seen everybody else and every and uh, other stuff before. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, so uh, so um, I'll start with the summary. Um, so uh, the sh- the show opens with uh, Gerard uh, or Gerard. Sorry, I'm saying his name wrong. <laughs> Er, is it it's, it's Gerard? Gerard. Like Gerard. I think he goes by Gerard. Gerard. Uh, Gerard. Yeah. Uh, I. Uh, so the scene, the show opens uh, with Gerard uh, dancing to "Juicy" by Biggie Smalls, and uh, yeah, no, I was like, 
I <laughs> so um so um his uh his girlfriend uh Maxine um played by Amber Stevens West um comes in and starts dancing um and then she like doesn't know what uh like she like didn't know the song which I was like I was like how do you not know Juicy how have you never heard that song before <laughs> I love that she didn't know the song like right off the bat like it showed how. <laughs> Like, a lot of times, you guys watch a lot of pilots. A lot of times pilots are, and we talk about this on, on my podcast as well, pilots are usually the, you know, not everybody's fleshed out. You don't really understand what they, sometimes they don't have an identity for all the characters yet, and the storyline is still, like, they're still working on it. You know, sets are sometimes not the same, because, for example, like, Gerard's apartment is completely different for the rest of the series. So, it's a, it's, it's but I think what they did was a great way to establish, okay, these two are a couple, and they're complete opposites. Right. And, and, and without, like, her walking out of the bedroom saying, Gerard, you left your pajamas on the floor again. You know, that's yeah. kind of your atypical, oh, gosh, she's the neat person, and he's all over the place. But they did a great job using Juicy as an example to immediately establish that these two people are from completely different worlds. And I love that. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. I, I just I was just like I wish I was just like mad that she didn't know the song. <laughs> or not 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 as much mad as I was like, what? Like but no, I, I definitely I see that. Um, well, I, I love that she didn't know the song, and and, and, he, and also she didn't know how to dance. Oh yeah, no that I that I immediately was like, <laughs> um, um, yeah I yeah, and then um, the voting thing I do I do like that. Um, so so after after the the, the dancing, um, they're like looking through mail, and it's it's cute because uh, the mail is used to like show that they like just moved in together mm. because they got their first mail as uh living there um and then um he's uh he's like oh they're you know they're trying to get me to sign up to vote and um she's like wait you don't vote and i i kind of i was like this is where i'm like okay you can tell that like white people are behind the show by having him by having him be like Oh yeah, no. Like, why, why bother voting? Because it's sending the wrong message to any black people that are watching the show. Yeah. See, I don't agree with that. Oh really? I don't agree with that because of a couple things. One, and I think you have to watch more of the series to see that. For one, his whole character base he's a contrarian. Anything that falls in line with what everybody should be doing, he's not going to do. And that's kind of his character base throughout the series to the point where he's indifferent about a lot of things and. That's where, at times, he is the one of the characters that is, believe it or not, kind of unlikable at times because of his philosophies. Um, and that's where I think it's a little bit different. Like there was, of course, white writers and white, you know, people behind this show. But for a lot of this, it is Jared Gerard Carmichael's like point of view as a comedian. If you and if you've never seen his stand, again, there's no backstory, so of course, if you've never seen his stand up. He's the same way. He's a contrarian uh, through and through. Um, but <laughs> oh, so it's him. It's him um, being a jokester, or like yeah. it's him being like well, a troll. He's, he's serious about what he's saying, but it's obviously, um, but it's obviously played up for the, for the joke, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know they're again polar opposites, right. and you know, and it immediately shows his philosophy. 
And I think the reason why that scene didn't alarm me too much is because I said the exact same thing in 2012. No! I, I know. <laughs> you're going to hear something else from me crazy about voting later on, too. Um, <laughs> so I didn't vote in 2012 because I did feel like going to go stand in line in the morning. Um, and Obama was going to win. So I really didn't have any like feelings towards. And I was living in North Carolina. And in North Carolina, it was not a, really a swing state at that time. It was more of a definitely a red state. So I was like, what's the point of me getting up and going to go vote for someone and my vote's not even really going to count because he's going to win, uh, he's going to lose North Carolina, whatever, blase, blase. So that's why I'm not too upset with him about it, maybe because I align. I don't feel that way anymore, um, thanks to 2016. Um, that completely changed my mind. Um, but I will say that uh, I definitely see where he was coming from but mm-hmm. I, for the character it fits his character to be that way okay explains so much actually okay i yeah. was like yeah. i was like was there like a writing change or something like yeah. i like because you know how like when when pilots initially run and then you know then like they get notes and stuff i thought that it was like a note being like oh you need to play like devil's advocate or something or like no that's jared carmichael okay (laughs) (laughs) now i'm not putting it out there in case he's listening um that i'm not putting it out there that he you know does not vote or he really does believe that but it does fit the character on the show Mm -hmm. and it fits a lot of his you know stand-up uh rhetoric so it still could be a character but at the end of the day that's just kind of what it is but even on, he did an episode of, um, I don't know if you've ever seen LeBron James's barbershop show on HBO. Um, he's been a guest on there, and to, to his contrarian nature, he wanted to make sure every, he, everybody knew that he believed that Hamilton was horrible at uh, uh, rap. Um, but again, the whole room is complimenting Hamilton, and he comes in and he says, you know, well, he doesn't, my hope is not really complimenting him, but he comes in and says that Hamilton sucks. <laughs> now, universally, people don't really believe that. But again, if you're a contrarian, you find the you find the negative and you push that agenda. And that's kind of what Jared Carmichael does. So mm-hmm. I implore anybody to watch the rest of the series because it's only in three seasons and it's only, what, 30-something episodes. It's him all the way through. I mean, there's one episode down the line, and no spoilers, that where him and his father decided to go to a Bill Cosby concert after the Bill Cosby controversy. Oh, my. Exactly. Oh, my God. Oh, my. So that sounds, it sounds crazy as a plot line, of course. But if you actually watch the episode, it's actually pretty fascinating. And the family gets into pretty much half the episode of the family getting into a debate on whether him and his father should go to the Bill Cosby stand-up concert. So that's something. Okay. (laughs) If it helps. <laughs> I he's yeah. definitely pushing the envelope. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the that was the beauty of this show, and I don't yeah. want to you know you know hold hold up too long. I know we're going through the pilot episode, but that was the beauty of this show. If you if you're a classic TV, not classic TV, it's classic now, I guess, because it's from the seventies. But it's very similar to All in the Family. That, oh, where that's... every, every yeah, no, Sydney was saying that. Yeah, she's, she's right on there because I mean, All in the Family, if you remember. Or if you've seen, because I don't remember, I wasn't born, but if you remember, <laughs> they tackled some of the most controversial issues of the day, and they had really frank conversations about it. It was the highest rated TV show for a time, and the, the lead character was a bigot. 
So, yeah. and I'm not saying Gerard Carmichael's a bigot because he's not by any way, shape, or form, but right. the conversations felt the same. It was about controversy. It was about, and these are real conversations that, you know, families have inside of closed doors, especially black families. We've had this conversation. I have family members who aren't, one wasn't 100% on the Obama train. I have family members who didn't really necessarily believe in voting. I had family members who, you know, defended Bush. Uh, you know, it, it's not to the level of where they would actually go out and vote for them, but on, to, on a level to where they defended some of the policies and beliefs that wasn't just cut and dry like they think, you know, black people are not a monolith. We don't think all the same. And that's what I love about this show um, is that it shows that, hey, the same family in the same house can have different points of views about controversial subjects so sorry oh, i go okay. way deeper into it than i no 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 that's what we're <laughs> that's what we're doing because i okay. i because when sydney and i were watching it we were both like wait yeah we were <laughs> i'm like you're telling me that the main character uh main character of the show is a is a republican like yeah. what i i was like wait a second and i i was like i was very jarred and i thought that it was just because of like network changes and i didn't realize that it was because of um him yeah <laughs> because yeah, I, mean, but, I mean like being you know being edgy kind of like <laughs> and the reality of it is he, he's, he's not a republican technically but yeah. he doesn't align with one side or the other it sounds like it sounds like he just goes with the wind and he probably leans probably more of an independent which most of the time independents usually uh, i don't have a problem with independent voter but a lot of times independents are just indecisive people who don't want to pick a side so they don't have to live in controversy right so you know him <laughs> but gerard carmichael doesn't care about the controversy he just has his own thoughts and he marches to the beat of his own drummer right and that right. becomes easier to deal with as the show goes on I think the pilot it was a little jarring. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I got. I got you. Um. Um. Yeah. That was my. Sorry. That was my last note for that part. And then. Um. Then we meet. Um. Uh. Bobby. Uh. Played by Lil Ray Howery. Howery. And uh, his ex-wife, who he's still on good terms with. Uh. T- uh. uh Nikisha, played by Tiffany Haddish. Um. And. Um, yeah, no, I, I know, I, I know little, uh, I'm <laughs> little, <laughs> I'm like, am I 80? <laughs> I, I know, uh, <laughs> it doesn't sound right, but it's little, little, uh, I know Lil Ray from, uh, from Get Out, and, yeah. uh, I, I think, like, Tiffany Haddish's breakout was, it was, um, Keanu, right? Or that's, I mean, oh, at sure. least that's where I knew her from first. Well, Girls Trip was kind of her. So the oh, funny part about Tiffany Haddish is Tiffany Haddish and Lil Rel, they've been they've been around for a long time. Um, before this kind of popped off, they both were stand up comedians, talented stand up comedians. Tiffany Haddish has been working her way through the industry since she was about fifteen, sixteen years old. Um, I saw her for the first time on a show called Funniest Wins, which was a reality comedy competition show hosted by Marlon Wayans on TBS. And she was a contestant on the show, and she was horribly unfunny. Um, and so I was like, when I seen her on other things, I was like, this girl, oh, that's that girl that wasn't funny. But I, then I started seeing her in other things, and I'm like, okay, she is funny. She just wasn't funny on that show. Yeah. Um, but she's been working working through L.A. for years. She was really close to the Wayans family um, oh. and building her resume over the over the course of years. And actually, her and Lil Rel in real life are actually longtime friends. Oh, um, I love with, that. Yeah, Sorry. Kevin Hart. Her and Kevin Hart are really close as well. He's actually given her money to bail her out of like 
financial ruins a couple times. Um, oh, and, and Lil Rel, same thing. He's he's from Chicago, but he's been in comedy for a long time. He actually, right before this show started, he was on a, a sketch comedy show for True TV called um, uh, Friends of the People. And it was actually a really funny show that just didn't get any traction, but it also had um, the Lucas Brothers was on it, along with... Um, uh Jermaine Fowler who's the star one of the stars of the newest coming to America movie so great cast great writing it just didn't go anywhere and then of course he had his own sitcom after this one was over so yeah Lil Rel and Tiffany Haddish it was good to see them there and uh, I'm glad Get Out happened for Lil Rel because it kind of exploded his career and and Girls Trip for um Tiffany Haddish and I think that's what the interesting part about the show is too like when you think about this cast you had the veterans like Loretta Devon and David Allen Greer but like these new up-and-comers literally blew up right around the same time the show was on and it's kind of great to watch that and watch them together playing these characters these very distinct characters i I love both their characters because they're both just just amazingly dysfunctional and i just love that about them yeah no they're they were great um oh sorry i forgot to i forgot to also mention that um sorry uh like if uh to go back to the to go back to the um uh, summary. Um, I forgot to mention that, like, uh, uh, we, we also, uh, understand that, uh, Gerard hasn't told his parents about that, uh, he and Maxine, um, uh, moved in together. And, um, and I, cause, because I, I guess, like, you, you don't really understand, you don't think it's a big deal until it actually happens, <laughs> and I'm like, because I'm like, why? I'm like, just tell your parents, what? Like, what, like, what's the worst thing that's gonna happen? Like, and then it's like, oh, we do, we do see that, but, um, but we'll get to that part. <laughs> <laughs> so the show takes place in, like, Charlotte, outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm from North Carolina, and I moved in with a girlfriend not long after college, and we lived together for about two years. And I, it, it wasn't really a big deal to my family, but I did have some family that I was, like, a little bit nervous to tell. Um, so I, I wait till we get to that part. But there's a part that happened literally to me that happened to Ger- Gerard and um, Maxine. That It literally happened to me. But go ahead. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, um, so they go to... Um... They go to uh, Gerard and Bobby's parents' house for dinner. Um, uh, Loretta Devine uh, plays Cynthia, uh, uh, Gerard's mother, who I I actually knew her from Grey's Anatomy, and um, and David Allen Greer, who plays Joe, um, Gerard's uh, father. And I knew him from uh, Jumanji, actually. <laughs> but um, but he's a he's a stand up comedian now. Well, I mean, both of them are legends in the business. Um, Loretta Devine has been around since the early '90s. Um, she kind of got her big start on like Waiting to Exhale, and then Preacher's Wife. And she actually was on Broadway back in the '80s. Uh, she was one of the original cast members of Dreamgirls. Oh, what? Um, Shit. Yeah. She played uh, Laurel on Dreamgirls, so back in uh, the first Broadway production. So she's been around for a long time. Talented singer as well. She doesn't do much singing, but she's one of those people that literally pops up anywhere and everywhere. Um, she's been on a bunch of TV shows before this and after this. Um, her first TV show was um, late 80s. She was on the first season of A Different World. Um, and oh! Then, so she's, yeah, uh, Preacher's Wife is another one that was pretty big for her. It's a lot of Loretta Devon now is like a what we call in our community an auntie because she's been around for so long and oh. she's done such good work. 
Um, my favorite show she's ever been on besides Carmichael's show was Boston Public, a show that was on Fox for about four oh, seasons. Yeah. Uh, she played a very unhinged teacher, and I, I loved her character on there. And and David Allen Gray is one of my like idols in the business, man. He is a complete legend. Also from Broadway, um, he's also been a singer. He also uh, was on one of the cast of Dream Girls at one point as well. Um, back in the back in the eighties as well. Oh um, wow. And he was actually the funny part about him. He was actually in a uh, the a soldiers play with uh, Denzel Washington and Samuel L. Jackson back in the late seventies. Oh wow! Um, as well, God. The 80s. And then he was in the movie as well. But the great thing about like David Allen Gray is that he started out as a a dramatic actor, and he transitioned into comedy for In Living Color. Um, oh, he was shit. On, on all five seasons of In Living Color. And he was, it was funny because when he talks about auditioning for it, he was like, you know, I, I was, I was a dramatic actor. I don't know, you know, that never did comedy before. And then that's how he got into comedy is doing the living color. And then that led to, of course, his roles in Jumanji. He hosted SNL twice and he's done a lot of work since then. Um, but he just got into stand up over the course of the last maybe decade or so. Um, he wasn't always a stand up comedian. He just started doing it because he started getting a lot of attention for his comedy. But it was something he never did. And he's done a lot of dramatic roles that are actually really good, but comedy's kind of been his success story. So he just recently did a couple episodes of the show Queen Sugar on Own, where he played like an abusive ex-husband. He was just so good um, in that role. Because uh, he, he's a great dramatic actor as well. So as funny as he is, he's also great dramatically. He's theatrically trained, so... Oh, wow. I didn't realize how much range he had. Like, yeah. I always remembered him as a stand-up comedian. Like, I've, Yeah. yeah I mean, the only parts I've, I've seen of him were, were comedies. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. that's awesome. I mean, he even played, uh, he played the in the, the Wiz uh, NBC remake. He played what? the Lion. Oh. In the Wiz what? remake. Yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, he's, a, he's an amazing actor. He's still working um, constantly. He's worked with a lot of great people over the years. He's really close to the Wayans family, just like Tiffany Haddish is. He's close to the older Wayans, like Damon Wayans and Kenyon Ivory Wayans because of In Living Color, um, which he's done a lot of work with Damon Wayans over the years. Um, and he's worked on most of the Wayans Brothers movies. He makes a cameo um, in it, whether it's uh, Little Man or um, uh, White Chicks. I think he, I'm not sure if he popped in on White Chicks, but I know he popped in on Little Man and um, Dance Flick. So he pops in and out over the years. He's just... An amazing actor and, and fun connection here. So when they were restarting In Living Color, they tried to do it like in 2012 um, to redo In Living Color. Uh, David Allen Greer was going to come back and just play some character, some of his old characters. But Laurel was also one of the cast members on the show. But the show never made it oh. past the pilot. So it's a little, which is fine. I mean, the landscape for sketch comedy is completely different in, than it was back in the early 90s. So the show probably did better towards Legacy to not do a reboot. But on the reboot, Lil Rail was supposed to be on it and David Allen Gray was coming back. So it's just some little tidbit I'm throwing out there. Nice. A little fun fact. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> no, no. We we, li- <laughs> we like uh we like more info info because yeah. I I mean you know part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast was to like learn more about things that I didn't already know. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm a TV I'm a TV junkie. I'm a sitcom junkie. Like, this is my part of what I love to do and what I love to talk about. And this show, for me, still stands out as one of the best sitcoms, no matter what era that's ever been. So I'm, I'm always excited to talk about this show. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, oh, wow. We, 
<laughs> we just got to the opening credits of my notes. Oh. <laughs> I wish that they didn't shorten it because I really liked it. Um, yeah, I liked it too. Yeah, so um, so it starts with um, uh, so the the opening credits is like um, him going from like room to room, like uh, like it's it's as if his it's as if everybody lived in like the same house as him, but um, so it's like it starts with him uh, and his girlfriend um, and them like arguing, and then he goes into the hall and he sees his brother and his brother's ex ex wife, and then it goes to like his um, parents' house, and then he's arguing. Yeah, he's He's walking through all of the sets. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, it's all it's all kind of them like yelling at each other or him and him being like, "Just leave me alone." <laughs> and then he goes outside, and I'm I I was like I was wondering if it's like if it's him like if it's kind of like a a metaphor of him being like pulled in every which direction, or if it's mm-hmm. not as like dark as that. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I think it just shows the chaos. It's the yeah. chaos that his, his, his life is kind of is. His parents are his brother and his his former sister-in-law are nuts. His yeah. girlfriend is something he has to adjust to and then his parents are overbearing. So if, I think he's just like, this is a lot. Let me, yeah. let me walk through. Yeah. I love that. I love their intro. It's so and good. I, and the rumor online, which you, I, me and my friends have researched this to try to find out. Apparently the cast does the intro. Oh, what? they do the. Num, uh, ha, oh, oh, I don't know. How to, wah, wah, wah. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well, you got a bunch of singers. You know what I mean? Yeah. You got a bunch of people who can sing. So you're going to have that. Oh, oh, I love that. It's so pretty, too. Yeah, I love it. Um,. Uh, so one of the one of the things that I learned from the show because I didn't know that Obama sent stimulus checks, which makes me even more angry that yeah. we only got six hundred dollars. What he said, one thousand six hundred? Huh? I wasn't old enough to benefit, so I, I was left out of the loop too. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and like, we weren't even going through a pandemic then. What the? F- <laughs> God, we were in a recession. That was it. That's all we were dealing with was a recession. But I didn't benefit because I was still in college. Yeah. So my my parents got money, but I didn't, and they didn't give me none of it. So <laughs> now we're in a <laughs> pandemic and a depression. <laughs> we need thirty two hundred. This country yeah, is great. Wait, <laughs> um. Uh. So. So then. Uh. Yeah. So then. Uh. Gerard. Uh. Um, mentions that he wants to register as Republican, and rightfully so. His parents question that decision. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but of course, things weren't uh, things weren't as like obvious as to like why, why? they're terrible people. <laughs> well, remember, remember, he only did that to start an argument. So oh, that's, that's true. Right. That's he true. Yeah, he only he, he didn't mean it. He only did it to get out of an argument. Get out of having to tell the family. Oh yeah, yeah. Maxine live together. So his his I'm a Republican was literally just because he knew his parents would explode. (laughs) I love that shot when he walks behind Maxine and she looks at him and he has a smile on his face like ha ha. (laughs) I I caused an argument to get out of this situation. (laughs) Um. So while well, while Maxine is just like just tell him just tell him he's starting arguments left and right because 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> smart. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, in that scene, though, I got to give y'all my secret shame. Oh. I don't really regret it, but I got to give you my secret shame. <gasps> in 04 was my first election ever voting. I voted for Bush. Oh, my. No. no. And I'm a registered Democrat. I've always been a Democrat. Um, but I didn't know then what I know now. Um, I voted. I did not like John Kerry. I did not like what John Kerry had to say. There was nothing he said that convinced me that he was going to do anything. And I felt he was just kind of weak. So I went in and I voted for Bushes on his second his second uh, election. And I, I it's a weird thing because I don't 100 percent regret it necessarily because like I voted for my convictions um and i think things were a lot different then it was more about fiscal policy than it was just flat out racist and misogyny and xenophobia although some of that was in there for me my vote basically went towards the person i thought was going to be the better candidate and unfortunately john Kerry did nothing for me at all so that's the direction i went in and a little bit of a secret shame, though, because, you know, what I know now, I still made the wrong decision. I probably was better off voting either independent or writing in. But at the same time, like, I didn't know at that time, you know, civics is not taught very well in school, especially if you live in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought you had to vote for one or the other. And I said, well, out of the two of them dudes, I'm going to vote for Bush because I don't like Kerry either. So let me give the guy who's already been doing work. And he's and we're not we're not horribly off and then boom a recession i voted for a guy who got us into a recession so i i honestly i i just i feel like our whole i feel like our whole government like government system is like like it just needs like retouching you know because um because i i don't huh it's an overhaul yeah (laughs) no because because it shouldn't it shouldn't have to be one or the other and no one should or i mean like it i mean it technically isn't but like people don't i mean you know like you just said like nobody realizes that like you like it doesn't have to be that way and like i don't know <laughs> i don't know what i'm, I don't know what I'm trying to well, say no, i mean i agree with you I think yeah is, i think i think education is important and right. when i think about what i know about the government and what i know and what i learned most of it was through what I've learned on my own as an adult um, or in my late, maybe early 20s. Um, when I think about what I was taught in school, we were taught the idealistic version of what America is and what it should be. We weren't taught the um, the, the reality and the ins and outs the way that we should have been. Right. And unfortunately, there's not enough in some households like mine. You weren't taught to think outside of what you're taught in school. So you end up just sucking in all of the, and to be honest with you, the BS that you learn in school. Right. Um, I mean, it's it's disastrous to think that even to this day that, you know, kids are still being taught that Columbus so, you know, discovered America. And we know that's categorically incorrect. So, mm-hmm. and especially if you're in the South, there's agenda-based education. You know, the things that we were taught about the Civil War gave it a very much a states rights not about slavery not about racism not white supremacist led ideals and we we all know that's not true Mm -hmm. either so i think that's mainly i think that's where it comes from i mean you can't change the system without knowledge and i think a lot of people are going into the system 
unarmed. So at mm -hmm. 18 years old in my first election, I wasn't equipped to, you know, really make the the decision that should have been the right decision based off of not just, you know, surface level. I didn't dig deep at all, you know. I know there's some people that, you know, blame SNL for George Bush's presidency because of how great Will Ferrell did as the character. Oh. And it's like, so you're voting for George Bush because Will Ferrell did a great impression of George Bush on SNL? Come now. But... Wait, some people did reason, that? Or, sorry. That's, that's, that, that's the... It's a joke, but I actually do believe it's true. I think when you look at his impression was so good, it might have made you think a little bit deeper about, you know... Uh, him between him and Gore. Yeah, it, yeah. it's it, it's probably hyperbolic, but at the same time, it, it's probably some truth to it as well. I mean, you saw in the 2016 election where a lot of people voted for Harambe. You know okay. what I mean? Like, I mean, you can't put it past people's decision making, but I wish I knew more than I did know going into that my first ever election and. I live with. I have to live with that decision, but I also live with the fact that I understand that I was ignorant at the time. Mm -hmm. I I feel like you can't really be like I don't know. You can't be hard on yourself until you're like twenty five. Because I feel like <laughs> once you're twenty five, like you're an adult. But you know, like <laughs> eighteen, definitely, like you were still a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know what I, I didn't know. I didn't know nothing. I thought I. But the sad part is I thought I knew everything. But the truth is that I didn't know shit. I didn't know nothing. <laughs> so, wait, am I allowed to cuss on this podcast? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. I ain't no shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I knew everything. I mean, I... Have you ever gone back and, like, read your, like... Facebook post. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, what the yeah. F was I talking about? I was oh, like, yeah. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, I mean, you know, we're all, we're all, we're all learning every day. It feels like up to like, yeah. it, it, up to like your late 20s, your whole, like most of your life, like especially young adult life is just a cringe fest. Oh, it's yeah. It's just like you're, you're always doing like you can't avoid it at all. Yeah. It's no, I I was such an asshole. And like even when I was like 22, I was yeah. such an asshole. Same. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's I think it's funny because like I I was one time one of my my uh my therapist told me that uh she was like, "Well, the 30s are there to make up for all the stupid shit you did in your 20s." <laughs> so, oh, I love that. You know, I love that. that. Yeah. I I mean <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm I, I'm not quoting her verbatim, but I'm taking what I heard when she said it. I thought she actually said that. Um, <laughs> I was like, "That's a good therapist." I, wish she did. <laughs> I heard what I heard. What I heard, she probably she, in my mind she said it, so she did say it. But no, I, I, and I agree with her. I was like, a lot of decisions, a lot of things that I did in my twenties were a lot of missteps but you know i think one thing we have to start doing i think as people especially when you're going through your 20s is give yourself a break man like it's it's yeah. like i think there's so much pressure put on you that once you hit that certain benchmark of whether your your benchmark is 18 or your benchmark is 22 there's so much pressure okay you're 25 why aren't you married or you're 25 you don't have kids yet you're 25 you don't have that career job fuck that no you gotta you got to figure it out. The 20s yeah. is the time for you to do it. And then in your 30s, if you're still making the same stupid mistakes, then you got to go to therapy. Exactly. So, no, do it. Do what you need to do. What you need to do to 
to learn and grow and do better. But, yeah. Um, So, um, I don't remember if I said that they went back to Maxine's apartment, but they went back. (laughs) They went back to, or not, sorry, not Maxine's apartment, Shiraz. Um, um, It's it's both of, it's, it's, it's the couple's apartment. Um, Oh, Jackseen's apartment. Yeah. (laughs) Jackseen. And, and she pointed out, um, she was like, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's unrealistic to to think that we're never going to tell them. And I was literally thinking that from the beginning of the episode, I was like, you have to tell them at some point. But um, yeah, so um, so then they go back to so then she's like, all right, well, let's do it right now. So so they go back to the they go back to the parents house and um, and uh, um, David Allen, Allen Greer um, was like, oh, your mom's in the kitchen where a woman's supposed to, and then he's like, I'm just kidding, it's her choice. And I was like, I, I was like, I love that. <laughs> that was, that was, that was a funny a line. line. That was a funny line. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding, it's her choice. <laughs> um, um, and then, uh, yeah, then, then there's, then there's the, uh, out, outburst of, oh, of, yeah. uh, them finding out that, um, that Maxine moved into Gerard's apartment and them being like, Oh, well, when are you going to, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to, when are you going to settle? When are you going to get married? What's going on? Maxine, the clock's a ticking. (laughs) So, um, so you had a, you had a story for us. Yeah. (laughs) Remember when I said I had like a similar experience in this, it wasn't as extreme as this, but, um, I, when I moved in with my uh, my girlfriend at the time, when I was, I think I was 23, I think, um, I remember calling my aunt. And my aunt actually helped raise me for a portion of my life. So she was like a mom to me. And <laughs> when I called her, I said, hey. actually, we, went, we, were, we were down for a visit. And it was like during the summer before, you know, after after graduating college. And we were having a conversation. And I, she was like, well, what are you going to, where are you going to live? I was like, oh, I'm moving into an apartment um with my girlfriend and she just looked at me and she was like in separate rooms oh my god (laughs) i said no in the same room and she just looked at me and she was like in the same bed i was like yes Cynthia, you know, my, I come from a long line of like uh, downhearted Southern Baptist Christians, uh, and especially the women in the family who will sing gospel music at the drop of a hat, um, just like Cynthia, and grab her Bible if they need to. So her reaction was always reminds me of my aunt's reaction. Oh it my wasn't gosh. as big. Yeah. That's it was so still awesome, though. That's so funny because I was like, I was like, what is this? Like, I love Lucy. Yeah. Like, I was like, that's not. And that that was a that was a, a realistic a, reaction to that. <laughs> it sounds yeah. like it, it was honest to the character. It, it was honest to the character, one hundred percent. That's so years. funny. <laughs> um, um, my favorite my favorite part was uh was the snuggies at the end. Oh yeah, that was my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> the whole family and Spuggies. <laughs> now, you, you, you missed like two parts that I want to point out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, one part was the fact that I love Tiffany Haddish's line in there when they um, go into Gerard's apartment and they're talking about how uh, she was in, in another room, like having sex with her boyfriend while her husband, <laughs> ex-husband is still in the house. Because they still live together. That's the funny part. Right, right. My <laughs> and I love how she was like, Lamar's upset because he wanted to meet you. He wanted to hang out with you and play video games with oh, you. Like, so her new boyfriend wants to play video games with her ex-husband in the house. <laughs> 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 and then when, you know, Gerard and Maxine are like, you know, getting essentially lambasted for the fact that they're living together, Gerard like yells, uh, Bobby and Keisha oh. broke a uh, divorce. They've been divorced for. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in order to turn the tables, I just love Gerard's like. Didn't even give a damn at that moment. He was trying to get the heat off of him, and they turned the tables. And I love how Cynthia just went. You're all like, you're all disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> you're all nasty. <laughs> and then I and I, and I love like Lil Rel and um, Tiffany Haddish's uh, reaction to Joe when he tells jokes. They think he's hilarious. Oh my! And yeah, they're like they're like you need your own stand up act. Like you should I be a comedian. That. You're they're so funny. <laughs> because I love how the, the relationships are established right off the bat. Mm. Everybody's character seems already distinct. Uh, as the show goes on, this is the show. It doesn't change drastically. There's no character that all of a sudden, you know, and most of the episodes are them either in Gerard and Maxine's apartment or the family's house. So there's literally only, like, the majority, it's almost like a play in a lot of ways, but they literally stay in, like, one location for the majority of the episode and have these discussions and have this dialogue. And I thought that's also a very, you know, interesting and unique way of doing shows, especially nowadays. That's kind of a throwback, you know, mm. all in the family is what we mentioned earlier. Like right. most of those, there's been whole full episodes of all in the family that took place in the house. Um, you know, so similar, like Carmichael's show was kind mm. of a throwback to that. So, I, I mean, I think I, I've probably binged all three seasons. I watched it when it was on air and I've probably binged it maybe, two or three times since it's been on Hulu. Love it. This is just th- throwback show for people who love the old, you know, Norman Lear, 1970s mm-hmm. sitcoms, but also modern day. If you're, you know, talking about modern day topics, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, there's, there's this show that my parents were watching. I think it was called the neighbors. It was, um, um it's like a British show, right? Oh no, it was, no, it was, um, no, it was here. I remember, um, um, if you've seen New Girl, the character Schmidt is on it. And oh, like, the neighborhood. Oh, the na- the neighborhood, yeah. I Similar feel like... in a lot of ways, yeah. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like, well, I mean, I don't know, when I watched that show, I was like, meh. <laughs> like, I feel like that's what they were trying to do. They were kind of like, they were kind of using, like, the Carmichael show's, like, f- like, format of, like, talking about, like socioeconomic issues um yeah but like i don't know they were i felt like the way that they were doing it was really forced and i feel like i feel like with the carmichael show it sounds more like authentic and like like they're actually wanting to have these discussions rather than it like more organic yeah yeah well see i love i like the neighborhood as well Um, oh sorry (laughs) your, your criticism is actually accurate because 
I think I think about the different types of you know, Carmichael show was a mid season show that was done on ABC. It wasn't really about the ratings and things like that. You know, the neighborhoods on CBS primetime Mondays. It's a primetime slot. You know, it's where Big Bang Theory and uh, some of the other shows used to sit on. So, a lot of their controversial conversations and I, I'm, I know I'm on a podcast so I air quoted controversial for the <laughs> yeah um, a lot of their controversial stuff is really you know and, and no offense intended whitewashed a lot of it is got to be consumable for um, a broad audience right. um, the Carmichael show didn't exactly look like they were trying to appeal necessarily to a broad audience it was like if this broad audience ends up catching on to it um, great but if not we can keep our core and NBC is known to do that with their sitcoms mm-hmm. outside of Seinfeld and friends and some of the other shows, parks and recs had a niche audience mm-hmm. and it just kind of exploded. The office started out as having a niche audience and then it exploded, you know, and even scrubs, you know, the first seven years of mm-hmm. scrubs after the first couple seasons, they were like, okay, we know who's watching this. So let's just cater to who the hell's watching it. Um, Scrubs, one of my other favorite sitcoms shows, by the way. Um, So with the Carmichael show, I feel like it was under the same vein of just like, okay, we know what we are. We like this show. We like what it can do. I mean, because the show actually wasn't canceled um, necessarily. Jerry Carmichael said he was done doing it. Oh. Yeah, like it only lasted three seasons and Jerry Carmichael was like, and one reason was because there was a subject that they battled him on. Um, It was a gun episode about a, a mall shooting. And the show, the episode aired, but the contention between trying to get it aired and how they moved it off the time slot and moved it just to another day to not interact with an actual American tragedy. So I don't remember the exact, but it was a mass shooting um, that took Mm -hmm. place. And then the episode was supposed to air right around the same time this mass shooting took place. And like NBC moved the episode. And Jerry Carmichael's argument was like, no, they need this episode right now because Jerry Carmichael's character goes to the mall and there's a mall shooting, a mass shooting at the mall. And, you know, he comes back to the house and he's dealing with the aftermath of it. He was like, people need to see this. Mm -hmm. And I think from what I'm reading, from what I know, it it was that controversy that kind of made him be like, okay, I don't know if I can keep doing this under the watchful eye of, you know, NBC. You hear a lot of, you know, actors and comedians who've had their own show say the same stuff about like, being, you know, Kevin, uh, not Kevin Hart, but Dave Chappelle came out and talked about Chappelle's show and, you know, how he was hindered on that show. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've heard other people mention that before. I think it was, you know, Kenny and I Wayne talked about that in Living Color, you know, when networks and production companies get a hold of your, your creative work, they can muck it up because it's mm-hmm. profitable. So, right. so it makes sense as to why, but I, I, I like the fact that the show didn't get canceled for anything other than the lead actor saying, you know what? I'm done. And it's called the Carmichael show. So if I'm done, show's done. And he made that decision and he moved on. I think, um, I think that was really admirable of him to not. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I yeah. hate that a lot of people have to lose their jobs, but not a single one of those actors have had to worry about working since the Carmichael show. <laughs> yeah. Like, so it's not like it really like, I mean, I imagine it stung cause it was a great show, but mm-hmm. I don't think it like, it didn't kill anybody's career to end the show. Tiffany Haddish exploded. Lil Rel exploded. David Allen Gray still working. Loretta Devine still working. Yeah. Amber Stevens West still working. Everybody's working. Yeah. So, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. What did he do after um, the Carmichael show? Who Gerard Carmichael? Yeah. Uh, he went back. 
he did. Uh, I'm not sure when it came out exactly, but Neighbors Two came out, so he came back for that one. Oh, okay. Um, he's popped in some things here and there. He worked on Lil Rail Show. Um, he was one of the co-creators of Lil Rail Show, yeah. um, called Rail on Fox. It lasted one season, but he was involved. Um, he's done a couple like little comedy specials for HBO called uh, Home Movies. Um, so he's one of those people. Like he doesn't have a social media. He's one of those people that he just he just wants to make what he wants to make. Mm, yeah. And I don't think he's worried about being like super famous or super well known. A lot of comedians call him the comedian's comedian because he's just a worker. Um, and he it doesn't seem like he really wants that level of fame mm. that a lot of comedians are chasing. So he's done a lot of stuff behind the scenes. He's probably more geared towards probably being a director and a writer than he is to be the star of a mm-hmm. sitcom. I mean, because. No disrespect to him, he was probably the weakest when it comes to acting out of everybody on the show, but he was playing a version of himself, so he got away with it. Mm. Um, if you're playing you, you can get away with it. If you're trying to, if he was trying to play, like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's not the greatest actor, but mm. Jerry was great at playing Jerry um, or playing a version of Larry David, depending on how you look at it. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so, I mean, he's done a lot. He's done some stuff mostly behind the scenes and definitely dedicated himself to his stand-up as well, off and on as well, so... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, but I was his, just... His stand-up is not for the faint of heart. I will tell you this. He says some stuff that I'm like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel bad for laughing at this, but, uh. <laughs> um, it's like a... <laughs> 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 it's like you immediately feel horrible for laughing at it. Like, but damn it, that was funny. Uh. <laughs> um... But no, like like you were saying about uh, networks pulling some fuck shit, yeah. <laughs> as they do. I um, yeah, I did. Uh, I um, did an episode on Call Me Cat, this new show show um, with uh, Kyla Pratt, um, uh-huh. and um, yeah, it's basically just like geared towards like white like middle-aged boomers like (laughs) like and and specifically like women like yeah they just they're just there's there's nothing there like you know like there's i don't know (laughs) when you look at the trailer it's sort of like there was a concept but then it just got like yeah like yeah but (laughs) there was an original concept but then it just it looked like it just got like picked apart and then you just saw like basically like the bear yeah which is unfortunate because i like the cast um you know um miami violet you know i I went watch her since i was a kid on blossom and then she was great on big bang theory and then you know kyla pratt has you know been around for forever as well um and, and a nice person, um, which, you know, you're always going to go for the nice person. Yeah. Um, you know, and then Leslie Jordan, of course, is hilarious. But, yeah. you know, it's one of those things like I, I was curious about the show just because of when it was released, you know, and, you know, what was it January this month or was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was released this month. Um, yeah. So I, I was curious. I mean, dropping a new show like that in the middle of the month and then also, you know, during the pandemic. I don't know. I, 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 I it didn't look like a show they felt like I felt like they believed in, and also single camera comedies are, are hard to pull off um, now. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I multi camera. Sorry, multi camera. Yeah, I no, I was mentioning that too. Oh. I, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really a fan. Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm not really a fan of, uh, of multi camera comedies. I feel like, um, I, I don't know. 
I just feel like uh, they just they just seem too cheesy, I guess. And like, I mean, if it's done if it's done right, yeah. But when it's done bad, it's done really bad. Yeah. Um, and that's the problem. There's a there's a de- decent fall when you do a multi cam that doesn't make it. Like you know, Mulaney, for example, John Mulaney's sitcom. You know. It, it just fell completely flat and it was hard to watch because you can do laugh tracks and things like that. But the reality of it is the audience knows when something is or isn't funny. Right. So Carmichael show, I legitimately was laughing, but Mulaney, I never laughed. And that's the difference. I think um, if you're going to do a multicam, you got to be able to, you know, the laughs have got to be a genuine as the fake laughs that you're in, you know, that the laugh tracks you're using, yeah. which I can imagine Call Me Cat did mostly laugh tracks because of COVID. Mm, um, yeah. So I'm imagining that they probably did it in front of an empty audience. Um, I'm not sure. I can't, can't quote me on it, but I would imagine due to COVID protocols, you probably have to do it under uh, the guise of a small or scattered audience, but I doubt they had an audience. Mm, right. Again, I could be wrong, but I don't know. Uh, from what it sounds like nowadays, they're trying to limit the amount of people and exposure. Right. So you don't want to be a, a, a super spreader and have... And then you also don't want to bring in 10 people to be in your audience. I mean, 10 chuckles are actually sometimes worse than... Yeah. Because <laughs> it's... Yeah, it sounds like... It sounds like sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, uh, did you guys have anything else? Or I just want to throw my recommendation out for anybody. It's all the episodes are on Hulu. Great show. Watch the show. It's it's a a, a good show. Um, I think I think it kind of crosses um, racial lines because they talk about a lot of controversy, and I think it really gives a good eye view of what a lot of conversations inside of, uh, especially black families' homes, sound like. Because I can I can guarantee you those type of conversations I've heard inside of black family homes. So, and it's just funny. It's literally just funny. Like, yes, <laughs> beyond any deep message, the shit's just funny. Like, yeah. watch it because it's funny. We all need that shit right now. Watch it because it's funny. Honestly. Funny. Yes, uh, Sydney and I watched, I think, up to episode five so far. Yeah. yeah, I think it was, like, uh, episode five. Uh, and then, uh, And then we were... <laughs> We start recording, <laughs> but yeah, were y'all, no. were y'all liking the show, or were y'all? I mean, I kept watching, so yeah, yeah. The, it was yeah, it was definitely. Um, well, the 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 episode that we the episode that we ended on was the transgendered one, which we were, uh, yeah. which yeah. we weren't really into, yeah. but but uh, no, we'll we'll we could just skip that and <laughs> go to the next episode. <laughs> you know, it's the kind of show where you don't necessarily. Like, you're going to hear so many points of view. You're not going to necessarily, but it's so true to life of these conversations that you end up having with people. Um, you know, and even if you don't agree, a lot of sometimes just hearing the conversation, you know, unless it's something that's legitimately triggering for you, I would, of course, advise anyone to not watch an episode that might, might like a trigger to them. Um, but at the same time, like, I love seeing the conversations come to life and, seeing the difference of opinions and seeing, okay, you're being irrational. Let me give you some rationale. I don't know. I, I, that, that I like about the show. And I think it, de- it depends on you as a person, of course, if it fits for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not every, you know, comedy is subjective, so it's not written in stone for anybody. But for, for me, if I had my own sitcom, it would be very similar 
I would probably lay off a lot of some of the more. And also, you got to think about, too, time and space, right? So the show, I believe it premiered in 2014, I want to say. And the, the amazing part about it is, even though that wasn't technically that long ago, a lot of things have changed mm-hmm. since then. Our awareness, our, you know, quote-unquote, wokeness, our um, different abilities to understand what the other side feels. I don't think this show would have shied away from it, but I don't know if they would have handled it in the same way mm. if it was made in 2020. So, um, so Brick, uh, uh, did you want to tell us about uh, Ethnic Kiss podcast? Yes. So my podcast is called Ethnic Kiss, the Black Sitcom Podcast Show. Um, me and my co-host DB, we um, watch uh, maybe some unheard of or uh, you know unknown former sitcoms uh, that star black act black actors of black cast and we basically unpack the show we watch usually watch the pilot kind of like what you guys do and we just basically sit around and we just kind of talk about the episode and the people that are in the show what happened to them what happened to them what they did before what they did afterwards and we really just sit around just kind of talk about like the different elements of the show what was funny what worked what didn't work and you know more than anything it's really just to get shine a light on some of these shows that we thought should have been given a chance and some shows that were justifiably canceled, but a lot of shows that we felt like maybe should have been given a chance because, you know, when we talk about, you know, um, you know, the history of television, for example, you know, a lot of shows that um, through history that are starring white cast get opportunities and upon opportunities upon opportunities. Not only do they have more opportunities, they also have an opportunity to fail. And we don't have, it. you know, we don't do well or don't do that well in the first few episodes and then all of a sudden we're off the map and we don't get another opportunities mm-hmm. in the same way. So we like to examine that and talk about that. We talked about shows that start Kevin Hart, start Steve Harvey. Mm-hmm. You know, we covered Nickelodeon's My Brother and Me, which was a classic mm-hmm. that was, you know, stupidly canceled. There was mm-hmm. a sitcom that starred Patty LaBelle that we covered. And, you know, our most recent episode was Taina, um, which has proven to be a pretty popular episode for us based off of the people that have given us feedback. And that was actually a special episode because it's not a black sitcom, but we brought in two Latinx actresses to come in and talk about their experience and their relationship to the Taina sitcom and their upbringing that's similar to Taina's. So it is, it's been a great opportunity to really do what I love the most, which is sit around and talk about television and sitcoms. I could do that all day um, if this podcast hasn't been any indication. So yeah, check us out. We're on Spotify. Um, in a bunch of other places, but I mainly talk about Spotify. Apple Podcasts. Um, I think Anchor. Oh, yeah. Spotify is most important. Um, <laughs> Spotify, Anchor, but uh, check us out at uh, Ethnic Kiss Pod on um, Instagram and on uh, Facebook and just follow the episodes that we do. Go back and listen to some of the ones you you know, you want to hear. Watch the episodes if you before you watch the, uh, listen to the podcast or do whatever you want to do. I'm not going to, I'm not controlling your life. You do what you want to do. But, <laughs> but yeah. That's that's us in a nutshell. That's not my elevator pitch of it, but it is what I got. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, yeah, no, I was listening to you guys on. Um, I I was listening to through uh, Apple Podcast. Um, okay, boom, Apple. Well, yeah, Apple, <laughs> I didn't even know that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I um, like the I I know like the way Anchor does it is like they just kind of like send your your episodes yeah. out to like whatever, but um, 
yeah no I really enjoyed I really enjoyed the Taina episode um and I actually like paused it like I I honestly I might have gotten the cue from you guys to pause it and go watch the episodes <laughs> and then come back and finish the finish the episode but it was um it was really good um yeah, I think you, you. yeah I think I think you even I think um uh the two actresses that you had I think they were e- even mentioning that um during the episode about how like I don't know uh directors like like Martin Scorsese and like Christopher Nolan got so many chances to to you know get like big and like you know win all these yeah. Oscars and stuff and like and like nobody else gets the chance to do they that but do. white men they <laughs> yeah they all, get, they all get room to fail and, yeah you know and that's just the nature of the business you get the opportunity not to succeed and we just you know I'm, we're not asking for anything special we just want the opportunity to like fail let us mm-hmm. fail too exactly you know? and, but, but let us fail and give us another opportunity don't let us fail and then just say oh well obviously show starring black people just won't work no no just because that one show didn't make it doesn't mean that the cross stop that Right. Um, but that's the that's the business and that's the nature of it. But yeah, so this it, but the podcast is lighthearted and fun. But we do cover some serious topics as well um, that go into kind of dive deeper uh, into you know the time frame and you know there's sometimes a you know era in which the show is on and things like that. So yeah, check us out. Yeah, um, yeah, dope. Nice. <laughs> um, so uh, where can people find you on the? Uh, Instagram and so the- on the Instagram, <laughs> you can follow Instagram. me at the Brick Jackson on the Instagrams. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can. I have not tweeted in probably about eight years, but hey, what the hell? Um, <laughs> at the Brick Jackson. Uh, don't find me on Facebook because I won't accept your friend requests. It's just how I roll. I'm one of those people. Um, I let it sit there and I let your profile picture just stare at me as I stare at myself, <laughs> not ex- confirming it. So yeah, Instagram's the best. Um, uh, the Brick Jackson, I post my, you know, I'm an actor, comedic actor, so I post a lot of my um, sketches and, you know, me singing random songs that I either come up with or parody and just have fun. Um, you know, nothing too deep. So, yeah. Nice. nice. And where can people find you? Oh, uh, people can find me on on Instagram slash uh, Motteprince, which is M-O-T-T-E uh, underscore P-R-I-N-C. Uh, the same can be said for my SoundCloud, uh, my Twitch, uh, minus the underscore for the rest of those. But um, and I have a Twitter, technically, but I've only posted one. I've only tweeted one thing, and that was like five months ago. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, you could find me at uh, Arcesley, A R C E S L A Y. Um, and uh please follow us um at aer underscore podcast um i shortened it (laughs) i shortened it so that it was easier (laughs) for you guys i don't know i just i just thought it would be easier for everybody um (laughs) um and yeah please uh like share subscribe comment uh leave us a nice review please don't leave us a bad review no one will ever find this podcast um and yeah thank you so much and uh uh we love you and uh Happy inauguration day. Thank fucking God. <laughs> and uh, all right, that's it. The end. Bye. Have a good one. Bye.